A few weeks back, I read an article in Experience Life magazine. Now, if you aren't sure what Experience Life is, it's a magazine put out by Lifetime. And we had the editor-in-chief, Jamie Martin, on the show in episode 24. Fitness writer Andrew Hefferman, uh, who's actually scheduled to come on the podcast in a couple of weeks, he wrote a fascinating piece on travel and fitness. More specifically, he presented this idea of experiencing the sports, the activities, the movement of the different countries and cultures, and I absolutely love the idea. You see, my wife and I have always said that if we don't get at least 20,000 steps per day in when we travel, it doesn't really feel like that we're on vacation. We love to walk. We love to hike. We love to do whatever the locals do when we're out on our trips. But something we've never done is what today's returning guest did when she went to Thailand. You know our fellow evolutionary, Irina Ivanchenko, from episodes 54 and episode 114, where we cover a lot of fascinating topics that will help you to evolve and uh, really get you going on your path of personal evolution. So if you haven't listened to those episodes, make sure you check them out after this one. I reached out to Irina and said, hey, what do you think about coming back on? Because I want to hear about this amazing experience that you had in Thailand. As I'm watching some of these videos, I thought, that's amazing. And that is exactly what Andrew was talking about in his article. That is an amazing way to experience the world in a unique way and ultimately evolve. Irina recently visited Thailand where she took Thai boxing lessons. And we can't wait to hear about all her experiences. So stay tuned for some valuable tips on travel, how to help you uncover some of the top activities in your own destinations. So evolutionary, sit back, grab a Thai tea or a Turkish coffee and hang on for a fun conversation. Welcome to the Evolve Podcast. Evolve your body, evolve your mind, evolve your soul, and evolve your tribe. And now it's time to disrupt. Welcome back to the Evolve Podcast, where evolved men and women come to disrupt, connect, and get inspired. We're cultivating a strong, lean body, an educated mind, and an evolved, purpose-driven heart are the status symbol of choice. As always, joining us from the Mind Palace in Overland, Ohio, the most interesting man that I know is W. Miles Riley. Welcome, Miles. Steve Cutler. Steve Cutler. Steve Cutler. Thank you. Thank and you. And I... You you looking buff in that t-shirt. You've got this everlast, like you've been boxing, you've been doing push-ups, you've been you're back in it, man. I'm back, baby. This After knee, having that hip surgery, or the I'm hip back. surgery is not holding you down anymore. You you are back. You're looking svelte am, and buff. Ooh, look at this. Look at those guns. <laughs> look at those guns. All right. They're only 38s. They're not 45 with Glocks yet, but they're yeah, coming yeah, back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, hey, we got a tiny Beretta there, but it's growing. It's yeah, growing. I got a tiny Beretta. Still put a hole in you. <laughs> <laughs> that is the line of the day, my friend. And somewhere in the mountains of Utah, I am Steve Cutler. Today's guest is the one and only Irina Ivanchenko. Irina, thanks so much for coming back. Great to see you again. Great to see you guys. Uh, the pleasure is mutual as always. And I'm happy to see you both. Nice, smiling, wonderful morning. Yeah, evening still in not Saudi Arabia. Yet. Yeah, I was going to say it's morning here. Married. It's evening there for you, right? What time is it in, yeah. in Saudi Arabia? It's 7.30 p.m. Okay. All right. So you got a, you got a nice, beautiful evening. we got a gorgeous morning in Utah. Um, we've had some hot, hot weather. In fact, recently we were driving home from California, ran into 123, 124 degrees as we drove through 
parts of uh, California that go into Death Valley. I was shocked. What did is, you say? One hundred and twenty plus. One hundred and twenty-three. One hundred and twenty-four. Wow. At one point, wow. uh, it ticked up, and then it went right back down to one twenty-three. So, wow, amazingly hot. Now in Utah, we've been hovering right above a hundred. 101, 102, which is, you know, I mean, we get warm. We don't get that warm. Irina, what's it like where you're at? Uh, what is it in, I because you are talking about Fahrenheit. Oh, sorry. Uh, We're talking Fahrenheit. Yeah, yeah. We're stupid in America. We need to just compare uh, no, no, to no, the metric stupid, system. Just, I don't know how to, uh, um, it's like between 30 plus, plus 35 to plus 40 for now. Okay. Um yeah so we gotta i'm gonna miles you do the math on that one um <laughs> i am but, it, but beautiful weather well Irina, let's talk about your recent travels um you what inspired you yeah. to choose thailand as your travel destination um <clears throat> i love asia get high mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah there you go Not, i was talking about I that before asia. the show there's muffins there's I all love- sorts of things <laughs> I love Asia. I love Asia. Uh, the I don't know. There is something about Asia that captures my heart. Mm. And many years ago, when I was in university, I studied Japan. Even I studied Japanese language. I don't know why. I forgot all of it because I didn't use it, and I lost it. So, uh, like Asia, I don't know. Asia is my area of interest. And uh, I went to Cambodia and I wanted to combine two countries together. So I went to Cambodia and then I went to Thailand. That's that's how I. So, so Asia has always been something you've been interested in and you yeah. learned Japanese at one point. Now, how many languages do you yeah. currently speak? Uh, currently, fluently, I speak four. Okay, yeah, no, no big deal. Miles and Ukraine. I barely speak one. <laughs> and, so, and, and and not even the one we speak is that good. Exactly. Yeah. It's good. It's very good. Okay, so Russian, English. Uh, Russian, English, Ukrainian, and uh, Ukrainian Spanish. And Spanish, because you lived in Mexico yeah. for a while. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you don't wow. speak Arabic? I I know the basic. I know how to read and write, but my vocabulary and my speaking skills are very basic. But you can read and write in Arabic. Yeah. Oh, you you get basically have five languages. You just now you want to be. Uh, no, 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 not not really because I don't know what I'm reading. Like. Oh, okay. okay. So it doesn't count. <laughs> okay. I'm so disappointed in you. Uh, <laughs> next time we talk, I, I want to see you fluent in Arabic. You are an absolute failure for just speaking for Yes. Oh, my gosh. I think that's one of the things before I, we're going to just go down a rabbit hole for just a second here. I think that's one of the things that in America we need to do a better job. We, oh, we speak one language and we don't even speak it very well, especially these days. I look at some of the things that my kids say and I'm, I just every once in a while they'll say something. I'm like, what, what is that? That's not a word. Oh, yeah, it means this. And I get that slang comes up all the time, right? right. When I was a kid, we had slang, mm-hmm. but it just, it, it sounds like people are just becoming dumber and dumber with the slang right. that's out there. So we don't even speak English very well. Uh, and we, we get we, arrogant about it. I, that, the oh, part yeah. that bugs me is yeah. the arrogance. You know, like, so I have this, this, and you guys tell me what your take on, take on this is. I believe if you go to a country 
you should learn how to speak the language, period. Sure. Like yeah. universally. Yep. But in America, we're supposed to be such a great country. We should we should speak five languages. Oh yeah. We should easily. just like to learn to speak with the rest of the world. And yet we get arrogant about people who come here. You have to speak English and English is this language. The arrogance bugs the hell out of me. Yeah, I'm with you. We need to it's be more. Not the, I would not say it's arrogance, you know, it's just the position. Thanks God, it's the position of privilege because I, as someone coming from the third world country, I had to learn English. Like yeah, if I, perspective. and one, one of the goals, one of the reasons why I learned it is because I wanted to communicate with people in other countries. Yeah. But that, that and, it's interesting. You, but there's you a humility from, with that, right? You that, come there's from humility. A, it, yeah. If you come from a third world country and you, you had to do that, that's almost like a universe. It should be a universal precedent. If you mm -hmm. come from a first world country then you have the luxury of doing it. So enjoy the luxury of doing it so that no matter where you come from, you're learning to speak with the rest of the world. Yeah. But you already, like when you are born in the States, you already have this setting in your system. Right. It's already there installed. Like, <laughs> yeah. But don't, don't you think, Irina, Irina that um, it, it would help Americans to learn at least one other language growing up? I mean, uh, it depends because as far as I know, there is a certain percentage of the people who don't travel outside U.S. because U.S. Uh, is that's a good as, point. It's such a huge country. So, so it has lots to offer. If you want mountains, mountains are there. Yeah. Sea is there. Like everything is there. Like all the, yeah. the all types of nature you could imagine, they are all there. That's true. But we're yeah, we're, that's a good we're point. bordered by we're bordered by a, a French speaking country. And Spanish-speaking Partially countries. French. Yeah, I think they only Partially speak French. French. Yeah, in, in like but one of the provinces. Since, since there are neighbors, mm -hmm. I, I want to go speak to my neighbors. Sometimes, right. so there you to go. me, it's as simple as that. I, so I, I took <laughs> us on this rabbit hole, and now Miles is, is committing to learning Spanish so that he can go talk to our, our Mexican friends. <laughs> well, I'm French. studying French now. Oh, there you go. All right. Yeah, I'm studying really? French now. Yeah, je parle français un peu. Oh, is that why un you peu? sent me a text in French the other yeah. day? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Uh, two months? Two years? Two years. Two years. Yeah. Well, so well, for our for our new listeners in French Polynesia, which <laughs> I don't know how this happened. And and somebody listening to this episode might think that I'm joking. I'm actually not joking. I pulled up the stats the other day as I, I uh, do stats. regularly. And I sent them over to Miles. I was like, what the hell happened? We just popped in French Polynesia. Like we just <laughs> All of a sudden, people in French Polynesia are listening to the Evolve podcast. I have no idea how or why. I've never seen that on our stats before, but we had a significant number of downloads in French Polynesia. So there you go. Miles, keep learning French so that you can speak <laughs> to our French Polynesians. Sorry to take us down a different rabbit hole. Um, Irina, I'm going to come back to the travel. So you hit Cambodia, mm -hmm. you hit Thailand. What was it that made you say to yourself while you were in Thailand, hey, I'd like to learn how to either get punched or punch people? Look, it, it came uh, absol uh, absolutely unexpectedly. I was planning to, to, ride, to, to ride boats, to go to the islands, 
um, just to eat, sleep and rest. And then I didn't take into the account that I came in the rainy season and rainy season there, oh, okay. the, sea is, is, the sea is pretty rough. Uh, you could not even sm- swim there. So the boats, on some days, the boats were not allowed. So then I started looking around what I can do, which activities I can do. And then I saw like a couple of Muay Thai studio- studios. This this is Thai boxing. And uh, the difference between boxing and Thai boxing is that in boxing, you can only punch with your fists, with your arms. Mm -hmm. In thigh boxing, you can kick with your knees, with your elbows, with the shins. Um, You can do kicks in the stomach, in the ribs, (laughs) in the hips. (laughs) It's aggressive. I I mean, and not only is it aggressive, but it is, I mean, from what I know about Muay Thai, is Muay Thai fighters have some of the strongest shins of anybody out there because of the the amount of kicking that they have to do to each other and they get kicked in the shin over and over and over but they develop just great overall toughness great overall body strength uh, a lot of mma fighters start in muay thai or at least go from some sort of wrestling type background into muay thai because of the uh, the applicability uh, and and just the overall strength to uh, fighting different fighting styles Okay, so you you were there. You were there in the rainy season. Some of the things that you were thinking you were going to do were were closed down, or you just didn't have mm-hmm. access to them. And so, um, how did you go about finding an instructor and getting involved in this? I saw two studios that were in uh, very close to me. I I could go walking, like five minutes walking, and uh, I was like. I'm going to go and check the studio. So I went. Uh, on the first day, I went to a studio. I looked at it f- from far away. And on the first day, I didn't have the courage to come in. I, I returned back. I love this part of your story because I remember you saying this on social media. I returned back. I was like, okay, this is too far from my comfort zone. Because I am a yoga teacher, Pilates instructor. Yes, I do personal training, but I am like, I didn't do any aggressive sports in my uh, life. And I, Mm. let's say, kicked people only twice in my childhood when I was protecting my little sister. I was like maybe seven, eight years old and she was three years younger. So some bullies were bullying her and I kicked two of them. Wow. There we go. So, so you have some experience ago. here. Um, <laughs> like ba- you've kicked a baby, couple of people. Yeah. Baby experience. Right, right, right. Yeah. Baby no, experience, not- but not kicking a baby. Yeah, but it was also uh, yeah. combat experience. Yeah, right. Fair enough. I got so no, yeah, I got so angry and my sister she was little, I remember, and uh I could not watch her cry and I, and I could not watch the bullies like, you know, like torturing her. So I had to protect her. Like it kicked in, like my adrenaline, my kid adrenaline kicked in. And I'm like, no, I will show everyone you cannot mess with my sister. Like That's you awesome. cannot abuse her. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I, I'm going to take us on a little bit of another rabbit hole because this this experience that you're talking about with your sister reminds me of a couple of things that happened in my life. Um, 
I, I've only gotten in a couple of fights in my entire life. And one was protecting my dad at a basketball game where a fight broke out. Somebody took a swing at him and I just lost it and How ran over. How old were you? Oh, were you? Uh, probably 16 or 17. And, you know, this is to, to put it into perspective, we were playing in a church basketball league. And so this is a bunch of people playing church ball. Okay. So these uh, churches that we play in have these big basketball courts and, um, you know, it's a, it's a church league and our, our team was the best. We had won the, the area, the region, uh, two, three years in a row. I think we were undefeated for a couple of years and we were just blowing out a team one day and they got so mad that they pushed one of, uh, one of the little guys that was a younger kid on our team and that cleared the benches. And my dad was over there trying to break things up. I saw a guy take a swing at him and I just changed directions immediately and ran and put my hand on somebody's shoulder to jump so that I could get over the people that were there and just clock this guy across the face. I'm just and, trying to wrap uh, my head around you wailing away on somebody. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. In church ball with, church uh, with ball. quite colorful language. Let's just put it at that. <laughs> Um, I had to meet with, uh, in the church I grew up in, they, the, uh, the priest, the, the pastor is called a bishop, and I had to meet with the bishop afterwards to have the conversation, and I thought I was going to get a tongue lashing, and I thought I was going to get uh, kicked off the team, and he looks at me and he says, well, if I were in your shoes, I probably would have done the same thing. So I, uh, I've only fought twice. Uh, and they were that one. That was one of them. The other one was just a stupid thing at school where there was a disagreement uh, between a couple of people and I got in the mix of it. And this was probably junior high school. I don't know what I was, maybe 13, 14 years old. But about a year and a half ago, we had an intruder in our home early in the morning. I was in the uh, kitchen just making my coffee and I heard a noise and uh, somehow a guy had gotten into our house and then went into the basement and hid underneath our pool table. And it was the strangest thing because, you know, early in the morning, I'm, I'm usually a little bit foggy and groggy, but I was super groggy because we had just been delayed for three days on our flight home from Hawaii. And I just kept saying to myself, did I, did I, hear something? Am I, I'm pinching myself thinking, am I really awake or am I just hearing things? And turns out, no, there was a guy in, in our house. And so, uh, immediately, uh, went into fight mode and started yelling, screaming, uh, for him to get out of our house and grab the closest thing that I could find, which was a pool cue. Cause he was underneath the pool table nice. and, uh, tossed another one to my son. I opened his door, turned the light on, said, Johnny, get up and tossed a pool cue to him. And, uh, we ended up getting the guy out of the house uh, without much altercation. I only had to break one pool cue across him uh, to get him out. I, I think he was pretty high and just got confused while I was yelling and screaming at him to get out of our house. And so as he went in the wrong direction, I had to smack him across the, the back and the head to, uh, to get him to go. But afterwards, it dawned on me that I've, I've been trained in shooting. I know how to shoot and shoot fairly well. Uh, I own guns and I've been through lessons. And so I, I, you know, know how to do that, but I didn't want to, in an altercation like this, take it to a, a point where I had to use some deadly force. And I've had people tell me, Oh, well, you should have, you should have pulled your gun out. I thought, no, I made the decision at that moment that a bullet, if I missed 
could have gone through a wall or two and gone to my daughter's room or to my son's, or it could have been wrestled out of my hands or, you know, it would the close quarters. I did proximity. There was no way I wasn't going to do that. Plus I just went with what my gut told me. And my gut told me that I could probably get this guy out without an altercation like that. Oh. That aside, it made me realize I'm not trained in hand to hand combat. I have not trained in any type of any form of fighting. And so it, just shown this huge light on a skill or a skill set that I'm missing. And so I reached out to uh, David Alvarez, who is, uh, we had, I can't remember what episode David was on, but David came on the, um, or came over to the house. Sorry, I'm fixing my, something happened with my camera there. I just went super blurry. There we go. Um, And we spent some time uh, for a few weeks uh, having him teach me the basics. I've got a heavy bag in here and I've, you know, welled on that several times uh, in the past, but never real training. So that created in my mind, a necessity to learn a new skill. You're, you had to defend your sister, which in those moments, I think instinct kicks in. And from what I've learned with talking with people that are great fighters, that people who train and, and, uh, train people to protect other people, whether it's military or uh, police or whatever. They say, just trust your instincts. Your instincts will not, you know, uh, lead you wrong. But with the right skill, you're going to be the better fighter, and you're going to be the one that comes out of it. Now, yours is a different story. In this situation, you walked by and said, "Hey, I've got an identity. It's a Pilates instructor, a yoga instructor, a fitness professional. I've never done fighting before. Maybe I'll go try this out." But then you paused. And I love that because that is probably the most real and honest thing that happens to all of us, but we don't talk about it. What took you from the point of saying, I'm going to go try this out to now I'm going to go do it after you paused? What, what made you go, uh, what, what helped you to overcome that mental hurdle? I had, <clears throat> I had a dialogue with myself, a conversation with myself. And I was like, it's far out of my comfort zone. Um, I don't really need it. And Mm. then I asked myself myself a question, like, would I regret if I haven't tried it? I love that. And I told myself, yeah, I would. I I would regret that question. So next day I came, I went to another Thai studio. It was another studio. Don't ask me why, <laughs> which, was all, which was also very close. And uh, I walked to reception and I'm like, I want to book a personal training with the instructor. And she's like, oh yeah, sure. Come at 5 p.m. today. I'm like, okay, thank you. <laughs> Easy, no and big I, deal. I did. I didn't know, so I I decided I will trust the process. No matter who is the instructor, what's the worst that can happen to me? Probably I would suck. I would look stupid. Okay, whatever. Yes, I am a beginner. Yes, I have never done the boxing type in my life. If I don't like it, if it will be like a total and an absolute disaster, I would just say thank you, bye. That's it. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. I I love that. You know, it's it's funny that you you talk about 
that you didn't go back to the same place, but you went to another place. And you say yeah. that, and I'm actually laughing because I've done the same thing. And Miles, I don't know <laughs> if you've done this, uh, but I'm sure there's other people out there that have done the same thing where you try to get the courage to go do something and you go to a place and then you chicken out, you don't do it. But then when you finally get the courage to do it, you do it somewhere else because there's now this negative association with that place. It's almost like you feel a sense of shame. Like I didn't do it the first time, so I'm not going to go back and do it at that place. Right. And I don't know if yours was the same, but I've done that before where I had to, I had to change the dynamic of what I was doing just because I kind of felt like I was, um, I don't know, like I was weaker or I chickened out or whatever it was going to the first place. So then it was like, oh, but the second place, yeah, I'm going to go there. I didn't even realize that, Steve, now that you are talking about it, most probably, yes, but for me, it was subconscious. I didn't even oh, yeah. realize. Yeah. I'm, I'm going, no, the second place, it looks nicer, much nicer. Well, mm -hmm. I like it more. Like, right. you know, like it, did, it didn't even, in, even click like that the first right. place is kind of a place of, let's say, failure. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, we uh, see it as failure. And, yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a fascinating thing I've observed. I've observed it in myself. I've seen other people do it from time to time uh, as through my coaching. But we do this where we don't go uh, back to the point of our failure. And so we have to create a new narrative. Not that it's good or bad, right? I mean, it's just the way our psychology is working. I want to go back, though, uh, Irina, to something you said where you said, um, hey, I don't need it. This is a really common thing we say. And, and I found... Um, it's a way that we get out of doing things we want to do. We say, well, I don't need that. I don't need to buy this. I don't need to do that. And it, it, it's a pretty insidious enemy, I would say, uh, psychological enemy. Because the reality is we don't need to do very much, right? I mean, it, especially in today's society, I don't need to do very much in order to just live. Mm -hmm. Outside of the need to breathe, the need to eat, the need to, you know, stay sanitary so I don't die from lack of sanitation and disease, uh, maybe the need to cover my body, maybe the need to have a roof over my head, there's not a lot of needs that we have. And so everything else becomes a want. Everything else is a want. Everything else we do out of some sort of desire. Now, I think that we grow up... And we think that the majority of what we go after in life should be a need, as if there's some sort of moral high ground to that. I've actually shifted my thinking in that over the past few years. And I've gotten to the point where I, I rarely look at something and say, do I need it? I ask myself, do I want that? And if I want it, what, am I, what are the benefits? And then I come to that critical question that you just talked about. Would I regret it if I didn't do it? That is so powerful. What changed for you when you asked yourself that question? It changed the it it changed my narrative because the way how we talk to, like the way how we talk to ourselves define the choices that we make and defines experiences that we take and defines the quality of our life. Mm. So coming you know like changing the narrative from i don't really need it to questioning whether i want it or no would i would would it enrich my life would this new experience enrich my life and this new exotic experience enrich my life hell yes 
<laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> you know what's what's interesting? So great. Um, and I, I I would love to hear you guys expand on this. Is I think when you're growing up, and you said you're from a third world country, and I, I think, um, you know, I think the underbelly of America, the underbelly of America is a third world country. And when I say that, I don't mean in terms of being impoverished, but we come out of this kind of work ethic, practicality. Yep. And I think when practicality bumps its head up against luxury, we kind of move towards practicality because that be practicality begs the question, do I need this? Or mm. that's too much of a luxury. But when you also have a, the luxury of doing that, it can create a certain kind of anxiety. Like, you know, why am I doing this? This, this, this is, is, what is it going to do for me? And it's the luxury of living in an environment that you can do this. So I yeah. think luxury and practicality are bumping their heads against each other because most of us come from practical, as Steve said earlier, um, do I need to do this? And there's things we need to do. And that might color everything that we do instead of looking at it. I'm going to express the luxury of living and do this. Yeah. So I'd love to hear you guys take on that. Yeah. Well, Rena. I was, I, I was brought up. Uh, my grandmother who she survived second world war and my mother for them and uh, for my dad, my heroes in peace for them. Uh, love was practicality yeah. for them exp yeah. taking care of you and expressing love was giving you the things you need giving you food shelter clothes helping you with the education yeah that's practical. it very, very practical. practical very like um talking uh expressing emotions uh support no, like if you have things you need, you have your support. That's your support system. <laughs> things you need. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's interesting how that becomes the foundation, though, right? And you think about. I remember yeah. a conversation, uh, probably in our first conversation, Irina, when you were talking about that your your grandmother, uh, and maybe maybe your mom too, uh, didn't quite understand why you wanted to go into health and fitness, move to a different country do these different things because it didn't seem very practical, right? I mean, let's be honest yeah. with what we're talking about and the space that we play in of health and fitness. Um, it is by and large a luxury item, you know, training and coaching is not something everyone can afford. Not everyone can afford to uh, have the time to work out on a regular basis to make their body look a certain way. Now, everybody's got time in the day to move, to exercise, to do something, but there's a certain amount of luxury to what we, uh, to the business that we're in. So I'd, I'd be curious to, to hear how that has, as Miles said, colored the perspective that you had, uh, you know, moving, moving away from the, your country, going to now multiple countries, living in multiple countries and uh, working in an industry that is, is a luxury for many people. Uh, how has that, um, either challenged you or helped you to progress forward? <clears throat> I think <clears throat> in some ways it, it completely changed me. And in some ways I'm still the daughter of my parents. 
you mm. know like there are still some things that i do how yeah. they taught me to do <laughs> them and um, <clears throat> some things i cannot deny it you know i can't i i decided i would embrace it <laughs> yeah and that, that's actually that. that's yeah. actually the practicality running bumping his head yeah. against the luxury <laughs> yeah yeah I, I can certainly some, relate to that for sure. Yeah. Listen, like, I've had I've had moments where I'll start a new project, you know, thinking I want to get momentum. And early on in starting that new project, I literally in my mind will say, You need to put this book down and clean your apartment. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And and <laughs> recently I've just been analyzing that reflex of knowing, you know what? I've noticed when I start something new something practical hits me right in the back of the head and go, you shouldn't be doing that. You should be doing this. Interesting. And it's always something practical, something, you know, that seems to be necessary. But what I'm really escaping is this new luxury I'm embracing. So, you know, there's a, I think there's a lot to uh, arena, what you did. Uh, because you you discuss about how it changed your narrative, the the narrative that we tell ourselves about our life, who we are, uh, you know, or if if we're the hero of our own story and we go through the challenges to become the ultimate hero that we want to be, then we have to change the narrative, right? And I think that when you travel, you're now in a different state, a different country, a different situation that is not your norm which allows you to open up a little bit more. It also allows you to expand your perspective a little bit more if you allow it to, right? Uh, to say, I'm going to try something new. I'm in a new place. Why not try a new thing? You know, it's not your normal daily routine. And I think that's one of the powerful pieces of travel and getting involved in something, especially movement or exercise in a different area. I, I, that's the thing that I just absolutely love about what you did is movement brings people together and it codifies experience much better. Like I can honestly say I, but uh, last week we were in, uh, we had three days in California, right? So we had one day on the beach. We had one day in Disneyland. We had another day on the beach and the days on the beach and the nights watching the sunsets and the dinners that we had together. Those are the most uh, memorable pieces sitting on a ride where we weren't doing anything I don't remember any of the, like, I kind of remember a couple of rides, but I didn't leave there and say, wow, that was an amazing experience with this ride because I didn't really do anything, but sitting and having dinner with my family, there's physicality to that, right? Throwing the ball on the beach, uh, playing paddle ball, uh, running into the waves, you know, uh, all the stuff, all it, it, the boogie boards, everything. The physicality is what creates memory. And so I think this idea of changing your narrative is a really important piece. So take us back. You signed up and you showed up in the mm -hmm. evening. And mm -hmm. now the narrative has changed because you asked the critical question of would I, excuse me, would I regret this if I didn't try? Mm -hmm. So you show up. What happened? And then I saw my instructor and it was a Thai girl. Nice. <laughs> it was a girl. I didn't know whom to expect. Maybe it will be a male instructor, female. I didn't yeah. know. And then I come. It's a girl. And I had my beginner's luck. Like the class has finished. 
and the area was empty. So it was only me, her, and maybe uh, admin and some other instructor. So it was kind of private. Very nice. So, my <laughs> so you're so not that, on stage trying something out for the first time and people, people are like, hey, look are, at that girl. People, yeah, people who are doing it for years are not watching me. So I'm like, okay, cool. And then she was a really good coach, was a really good coach. And not only that, she was um, she was a fight. She is a fighter, actually. Oh, cool. She is a fighter. So she is uh, training people and she is competing at the same time. So Very she's cool. doing fights. And um, like she, the way how she, she was training me, uh showed me that there is hope and i can do it like basically she 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 told me you can do it it's okay you're fine you're doing fine just do it again let's do it again you're doing great again 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 so what did you start with uh, talk talk about like how how did you show up what did you wear what did you have to put on how did you start? No, the, what, what did that look the like? Thigh box, uh, you do it barefoot. Okay. And uh, basically, you have to wear a short shorts and uh, for girls, a, a bra, a sports bra. So that's how I showed up. Yeah. Okay. And then um, they have gloves and they have like the, the bands to rope the arms. That's okay. It. So, the, yeah. so your wrists are wrapped and then you've got the gloves. Do you have anything yeah. on your feet or ankles? You can, you can get that for, if you want extra protection. I was fine. I okay. was fine. Yeah. I've seen that there's because some when, padding that they can put on if, if it's yeah, too painful. The, the trainer puts the padding and you basically, you don't kick the body, you kick the padding. Oh, okay. So when you kick with your limbs, like it's, it's the padding that you kick. Okay. So did you start with kicks, punches? Where where did she have you start? Or were you just doing a combination? She she gave me a warm-up, which was a bit of running, a bit of mobility. And then uh, this, um, she basically, she, she showed me how to do jab, cross, uh, elbow, kick, knee kick, and like leg kick. Okay. Like a, a, a bit of everything in the first session. Just to get accustomed to to what's uh, um, what's my thigh is about. And you were there. Uh, yeah, how many sessions did you take? Were you there three days, five days? I was there for seven days. Oh wow! Okay. And I took I took sessions for six days, and for I do regret wow. that that day number seven that I could have <laughs> trained myself. But you could have gone pro. <laughs> you would have just had that one more day. You would be pro right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then i was coming every day every day it was like my i was coming in the morning i was having very light breakfast then i was going to do my muay thai then i was ha having a fresh coconut oh yeah water and then I there's was nothing chilling better on the beach. Yeah. nothing better than yeah, fresh coconut it's... oh you pop that thing open that's the most hydrating <laughs> substance on, on the planet. So here, here's the question I want to ask from me training uh, people in boxing. Do you remember the first kick or punch that you got right that had full power? The oh, first yeah. one. 
Great question. What did that feel like? <laughs> I don't <laughs> speaking the truth until now. I think I don't have that full power in my punches or kicks mm. because there is still a lot of room to work on. Like because I have never done this in my life, so I uh -huh. cannot even evaluate <laughs> my <laughs> my punches. But, but but your perception of it, not not the objective perception of it, you, when it was a kick where the movement felt fluid and it didn't even have to express a lot of power, but the movement felt so good, you knew you did it right. You know, it was, uh, I would say it was on the session number five. Okay. Oh, wow. Okay. On the session number five. Yeah, I felt uh, confident, more confident. Yeah, that's basically what I'm asking. When you throw a couple of, because they don't have to have a lot of power, but if the body feels like it's moving properly, that feels really good. And you know what? Like that girl, her name is Noon. She told me, you, the goal on the first session, she told me, the goal of all that we are doing is to have a fight with me. And I was oh, like, whoa, wow. whoa, whoa, no, 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 no way. Right. <laughs> I'm not doing that. <laughs> I'm That's already awesome. out of my comfort zone. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's really... On... Go ahead, Erin. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. You were saying? Uh, and then on, uh, on on the third session, she, she made me, oh, like, she made me, she told me, now, uh, start, you start. Give me punches, like fight with me, like yeah. not not. How do you call that? Not defense, but the the one who is. Um, oh, the offense. Yeah. Who, so she wanted you to. Yeah, go the, offense, the offense. The yeah. offense. Yeah, who initiates the fight? And I was like, wow. And at first, I was like, few minutes. I, I was really like, I was. My brain did short short circuit because. Steve, I want to go back to what you mentioned. Like, when you think about that, it, how many of us we are ready for the actual physical fight right. with someone? Right. Like, sometimes you are so shocked, you don't know what. Like, should you hit that person with with the arm, with the leg? Like, yeah. what do you do? Like, what do you do? Yeah. What are the areas where you could even kick? You know, I didn't know that. <laughs> now I know that it's uh, like now at least I know. <laughs> yeah. Well, we, we, when we don't know, up. we freeze, right? When we don't we have freeze. some knowledge, we freeze, we yeah. freeze for a second. Um, it's and interesting it's that only you, when I'm we're sorry. really pushed. Yeah, it's only when we're really pushed where we we have to fight. But um, you know the the idea of the the fight or flight or freeze response. Um, yeah, we that, that's that's really common. I've seen that several times. I am currently training a transgender woman, and we had a little bit of a breakthrough um, just last week. Um, I was teaching her basic punches, and she was getting frustrated. She said, because I, I don't know when to use these. When do you use this stuff? So I said to her, and what happens was she was just getting way ahead of herself. So I said, okay. So I put, took off my focus mitts, put on gloves, and I said, let's have a fight. I want you to take all the punches you've learned and use them against me. And she had trouble using them. Mm -hmm. And I told her, I had to explain to her, you're, you're getting ahead of yourself. 
that part of the training doesn't come for another couple of months. Right now, I want you to get the basics. But when I started swinging at her, she started ducking and almost trying to get away from it. And I told her, I said, there's training that's going to get you to learn how to attack me, but we're not there yet. Yeah. So you teach people basic structural things, punches, defensive maneuvers, and then you teach them how to attack. Yeah, you've got to deconstruct it. Yeah, you do have to deconstruct it. Yeah. 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 Yeah, you deconstruct. I think that's like anything in life. And, um, you know, Irina, your your story, I think, is so applicable for a lot of uh, people if they just pause and listen and and make the parallel that yeah, when there's something new in life that you're sparked to, to do, something inside of you says, oh, that sounds cool. I want to go do that. Then there's a pause, right? Maybe they walk away from it. Maybe they chicken out with going and doing it the first time. But then they get into it and they realize it's a little bit clunky. It feels a little bit weird. The movement's not quite what we want it to be, but we can see the end goal. And we keep thinking towards the end goal and we keep thinking that, okay, well, I I should be there or, well, now how do I apply this to the end goal? But that's not really the goal of that initiation phase. At Evolve, we talk about three phases of evolution. We talk about initiate, elevate, and automate. In the initiation phase, all you're doing is you're just learning those deconstructed parts. So you're learning how to kick. You're learning how to punch. If you're in the weight room, you're learning how to uh, create torque before you bench press, right? It's it's the basic, basic stuff. It's not the end result. You, you only get to an elevation phase once you've learned how to do the basics, the deconstructed basics, multiple times. Then the way you automate is where it gets to the point where you are so good. You know, you get to professional level. The difference between an amateur and a professional is an amateur does something until they do it right, whereas a professional does something until they don't do it wrong. And that is automation phase. When you get to the point where you can be in a high stress situation and you just automatically kick in and you're able to do what it is that that you need to do. So you referenced that you... uh, um, there was something about what you said earlier that made me think you're still sticking with this. Are you taking classes? Are you punching a punching bag? Like, but what, where's this continued? Are you still practicing yeah. and fighting? I still continue to practice. I have in my gym in Saudi, I have uh, amazing uh, coaches. Two of them are from France and two, two of them, they know Muay Thai. They coach oh, wow. Muay Thai. Okay. And the other girl in my gym, she is from South Africa, Sancha, and she is a boxer. She's like a boxer, boxer. So I do do continue to train with them because uh, now that I have tried boxing, Muay Thai, this, and now I believe this is something that at least I, I don't want to sound like very like everyone should try it, um, but I would suggest to try it. I yeah. would suggest to try it because it can empower you and open that side of you that you are not even aware about. Now, um, when I when I did my Thai for the first time, I'm like, oh my God, I do have this fighter warrior spirit in me. Oh, yeah, mm. yeah. I yeah. do have it. I just, um, I just don't express it because 
like now the fights that we have, they are quiet office corporate fights. Right. Or like Very elegant passive. words. Yeah, passive yeah. aggressive. Like, and you yeah. have to figure out. And, and, and it creates a lot of fr- frustration and anxiety. Yeah. And doing um, martial arts is one of the very good ways to take this stress, anxiety, and frustration out. Well, like, it's interesting that you bring that up because, and you say that you have that in you. I think some people have it in them more than others, but everybody has it to a certain degree. You know, you think about the yeah. yin yang and the way that those things uh, move in cyclical fashion. Um, yoga, it's a very yin type of movement. Pilates, very yin, right? It's very mm-hmm. restoring, very healing very uh mother slow slow i would say very slow the yang exercise the fire the breath the heat the uh strength training would be one of those uh martial arts any type of combat sports what i found both personally and with clients that i've worked with is you look at where your strength is and then you work the opposite of that so if i'm a very yin person if i can do yoga if i'm you know calm i do meditation I've already got that down, but as soon as I start working on the yang side, if I, if I'm lifting heavy weights, if I'm punching things, if I've got more aggressive movement, uh, Morgan's battle ropes, whatever it is, what happens is we now become more, I, I hate to say balanced, right? Because when you think about that yin yang, there's, it, it's more about harmony. It's that the energy of one pushes the cyclical energy of the other. And so when you work that yang energy through combat sports, You'll actually become better at the yin. You'll become better at yoga. You'll become better at the um, Pilates, the meditation. All of these things become better. And I'd love to hear you talk about that. I know that you're only a few weeks into, uh, you know, training in the combat sports, but I'd love to hear what that's doing for the yin side of you. <laughs> it's it's it. Maybe it's funny, but um, more like boxing, Muay Thai, it calms me down. <laughs> yeah. It calms me down. That's awesome. <laughs> it's not funny. I, it's actually, I mean, it's funny you say that because that's, it, it's surprising how much it does that. I feel much more calm after a really strong, uh, aggressive workout, because if I can express myself in that way, then my relaxation response is much better. I sleep much better. But yeah, I also, sleep much. Yeah. There's also the thing to think about is how we, we have this predilection for duality that we think this over here is a yin element and this over here is a yang element. But what we should really be thinking about is finding the yin element in any yang exercise, just like you find the yang element in any yin exercise. Yeah, because they do exist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they do exist. So imagine taking something like Muay Thai and and knowing how to do it and then slowing it all the way down so it starts to look like, um, what's that movement? The um, Tai Chi. Tai Chi. So you're slowing Muay Thai movements into a slow Tai Chi type of exercise. And now you're taking the yin and the yang and you're blending it into one thing. Yeah. Irina, I I know you've talked about this already to a certain degree, uh, about the difference between training in Muay Thai and combat. 
versus what you've done in the past, the yoga and, and Pilates and, you know, more of the yin type, what, what are some of the other differences? What are some of the other things that you noticed as you started training in this compared to, well, really any other fitness activity that you've done? It is very, um, like it's a contact sport and it allows you to connect in, in such a different way. And it's a very intense way of connecting with uh, someone with, when you are sparring or when you are training together, like the bond. And it's beautiful in a way because um, nowadays we are not even hugging people that much, like physical contact. Right. Right. We, we cannot do that to the strangers. And this allows a physical contact with another human being. Yeah. Not only the physical contact, contact you are like legally allowed to yeah. kick <laughs> that another human being. Like there's so much freedom in it. Yeah, that's a good point. There's so much freedom. I want uh, to ask uh, Miles how he feels when he, he is uh, boxing. How do you feel, Miles, when you're boxing? If 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 I can like a lot of things, um, it takes me when when I'm when I'm doing what I'm doing now. It takes a moment, like anything else, to get out of my head and transfer that to my body. And right now, it takes me about ten or fifteen minutes. That's why I have a really good warm up. Once it gets out of my head into my body. There's just this flow. There's just this connection to almost like the universe where I'm using my body, I'm using the momentum forward and the give backwards, if that makes any sense. So it's like when you throw a punch, if you throw a right hand punch, your right shoulder's possessing all that power and your left shoulder's kind of relaxing, moving back. And if you feel that as an organic movement, it feels tremendous. It's the give and take of your body, especially if you're just if you're hitting a bag, if you're hitting a bag. It's the give and take of your body, watching what's moving momentumly forward and what's giving away. And then you're switching. That movement feels tremendous when you get into that flow. I like, Irina, too, how you talked about that. This is there's an energy exchange between two people. You know, I mean, it, yeah. there's and you create this intimacy there because you are you're, you're touching, you're kicking, you're punching, um, which for a lot of people, they would think, well, that's not a good thing, but it does create this intimacy because you have to respect the person in front of you. Right. I mean, that's, that, that just in, is inherent. If you don't respect them or their skill, you're going to get at your ass knocked out. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So there has to be at least some level of respect for the other human being. But I guess I've never really thought about it in that way of that. There is this connection. Um, and like a chess match, the physicality of it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the physicality physical. of it. I think back to like when my, when my son was young, you know, little boys, they've got, they're just rambunctious. They got a lot of energy and the best time that we would spend together was like wrestling and, and play fighting. And maybe that meant that we'd grab, um, you know, uh, padded, uh, swords like nerf swords and we're hitting each other with them or, or noodles <laughs> or, you know, we're shooting each other with uh, Nerf guns or whatever it was. But after that physicality 
there was just this calmness, you know, I mean, like we were bonded, we were, it was such a, a, a great thing. And I, yeah, I, I've, I guess I've never really thought about it like that. I, I observed it years ago, but I've never thought about it in terms of our adult relationship. So uh, I guess what I'm hearing from you then arena is we just need to go start punching people more <laughs> connected. <laughs> <laughs> what what tips would you give people uh because i agree with you that i think somebody everybody listening should get involved in some sort of combat sport or protective sport something right whether yep. you just learn how to do self-defense uh exactly. if you're living krav maga if you're doing muay thai uh, mm-hmm. uh brazilian jiu-jitsu i know uh, Taylor Burroughs, who we had on the uh, podcast a while back she said that one of the first things she does when she's coaching men uh, is she gets them involved in Brazilian jiu-jitsu as a way to just connect with other people. What, what are some tips that you would give people to uh, to get started or enhance their experience? Um, tips to get started are very pretty easy. Is just to get started and try it. <laughs> don't wait yeah i kind of knew that was coming (laughs) don't wait yeah and uh you know i want also to address steve uh your comment that you say said that we work in the fitness industry and uh um, lots of people they think they don't need it and that they cannot afford it and you know what it's on the contrary everyone needs to move especially nowadays, especially with technology, especially with the amount of information that we have, we need to move more. Yep. I think there's an interesting split happening in the world. And that split is pretty, there's a, there's a massive divide between one side and the other. And that split is that as technology continues to improve, we as human beings have an opportunity to evolve significantly, right? I mean, just like we're in three different parts of the world right now talking to each other, we have evolved as humans. We can have this conversation that a guy from New York City that's living in Ohio can talk to a guy from Utah that's living in Utah that can talk to a girl from Ukraine that's living in Saudi Arabia. Like that's an evolution point, right? It's pretty amazing too. It is amazing. And and the technology continues to move us and we will get to a point where that technology will help us to have the best life that we can. The problem right now is our decision-making ability as a, as a society as a whole and our emotional intelligence have not kept up with technology. We have become so emotionally unintelligent that we stare at our phone instead of stare talking to the person in front of us. We scroll, scroll, scroll and order food that gets delivered. That's highly calorie dense and low in nutrients. And we're on this side of the split and we're becoming more and more obese. I mean, I read something the other day that said that the difference between certain countries, like um, what was it? I think Senegal has less than 13% of their population that's overweight. And in America, it's well over 70. As technology continues to go up, we we lean into technology to make our lives easier. And yet we're making our life more difficult because we're not doing the hard things when we need to do the hard things. And I think like you're talking about, Irina, it's not, it shouldn't be an option. Like the body needs 
movement. We need good nutrients. I said to somebody the other day, they said two questions that came to me. Number one was, hey, how come you don't take on every single client? I said, well, number one, I only work with people at this stage of my career that really, truly want to evolve. If you want to lose five pounds for your wedding or 10 pounds, I'm, I'm just not your guy. Uh, it's not of interest to me. I, I, I used to help people with that. And not that I'm opposed to goals like that, but I, I, I want people to evolve into better human beings. But the second reason is I don't, or the second question was, why don't you discount your prices? Or why, why you know, I, somebody called me up the other day and was like, well, I did some research on personal training and I found somebody that will charge me, uh, you know, $20 an hour or $25 an hour. And you say you're this much. I'm like, yeah. Well, why are you, uh, you know, whatever it was, five, 10 times more? Like, uh, because that, that we're, you're not even comparing apples to apples, number one. And number two, what kind of car do you drive? And he told me what kind of car it was, and it was a high-end luxury car. I said, okay, do you take your car anywhere? Well, no. Well, where do you take it? Well, I take it to this dealer or, or this mechanic shop. And it, Okay, what kind of gas do you put in it? Oh, well, I put this amount of gas. Okay, uh, do you ever get it detailed? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got uh, this guy. He details it for me. Okay, well, um, what kind of oil do you put in it? Oh, well, we put this oil. All right. Uh, you just leave it outside or does it sit in a garage? Oh yeah, no, it's, oh, it's garaged. Okay, cool. Well, guess what? That car, you're probably going to own it for how long? Oh, you know, I trade cars out every five years or so. Awesome. So my question is, why are you trying to go for the discount body? Why are you going for the discount solution for the car, your body, the automobile, your body, that you only get one of. You're going to have multiple cars throughout your life. And if you take great care of your car, but then you don't, you have a totally different perspective on your body, which you only get one of those. Why, why would you do it any different? It doesn't make any sense. So I agree with you. And I think that there's this massive divide in the world. Over in this camp, it's people who think that health and fitness is a luxury. And they are using technology to make their life worse. Over in this camp are people who say, you know what? The laws of the body have not changed. Now, technology can enhance our ability to be healthy, but it's a necessity. People need to learn how to move. People need to learn how to uh, eat well. People need to learn how to exercise. All right? These are, we, we don't stay healthy and fit like our ancestors did who maybe were farmers or were hunters or whatever, because movement is not part of our daily life. So we have to learn those skills. And with all the available food, all of the available food products out there, we actually have to learn what healthy eating is. Because 100, 200 years ago, you just ate what was available, whatever you could kill, whatever was on the farm. Right. That was that was what was available. If you could buy a few things here and there, that's great. I mean, I think back to what my grandparents used to talk about that, um, you know, they'd, they'd bake their bread at home. They would uh, gather the eggs from the chickens that were in the back. And uh, maybe once or twice a year, you'd get candy. But that was it. Right. So I think that I couldn't agree with you more. It's not it's 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 not a luxury. I mean, it is but it's not. It's not. Uh, it's, uh, because I was following you on Instagram as well, and you mentioned there are like a lot of 
free free of charge resources on yep. how to move. Right. It's just a matter of priority. And right. movement is a necessity. Uh, the, like fuel for um, three biggest fuels for our brain is oxygen. Yes. Then glucose, which is food, which is uh, quality food and movement. Yep. Without movement, brain is useless. Like brain is useless. Yeah. <laughs> Well, there's, there's new research that's come out um, in the last few years that talks about how uh, one of the best ways that scientists believe that you can stave off um, Alzheimer's and dementia is by learning complicated movements throughout your life. So uh, I think one of the researchers that had uh, published a paper talking about how uh, men and women in later stages of life, if they were learning dance moves, then they showed significant improvements in their overall neuroplasticity and it was staving off, um, you know, the, the decline of dementia and Alzheimer's. And so, yeah, movement is essential for our brain. I mean, you can live without I'm, carbohydrates, proteins, and fats for a really long time. You can't live without oxygen. Yeah. And so exactly. learning how to breathe is, is, is a critical one too. Like yeah. I, I would say probably nine out of 10 people that I work with, the first thing I have to teach them is how to breathe. Yeah. And how do you get this information to people though? This is the trick because everything we've said is so powerful. Yeah. And yet the elephant is the room is the industry that pushes everything that's the opposite of this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think everybody has to start to become awake, right? I mean, it's personal account, it's personal accountability. Um, we we have to become accountable. And uh it's something that you know, like I, nobody told Irina to go to uh, uh, on this trip, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, no one called you up and said you have to go here. No one no. told you you had to go try Muay Thai. Yeah, right? you, you just you're on a path of growth and evolution. You are what I call an evolutionary being because you're on a path of growth and evolution where you're constantly challenging yourself, and and that comes because you take personal accountability. And I think that's the foundation. Yeah. I would also say enriching my life because I realized, especially after war in Ukraine, I realized there is only one life. So I better live it. I better live it here and now. And I better go (laughs) and take that Muay Thai (laughs) session. (laughs) And if I don't like it, okay, I don't like it. I'll move on and do something else. And that's why I also started, before I went to uh, Cambodia and Thailand, I started salsa uh, classes as well. Oh, no oh, way. There we go. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> All right, Irina, oh. we got we to see some more salsa and then Tai Chi videos up here on social me, media. Ask me, ask me what was motivation to do salsa. Okay, so what was the motivation to do salsa? I had zero motivation and uh, I know I suck at salsa. I lived in Mexico for five years. I went to Cuba. (laughs) I went to Colombia. I was always embarrassed to dance it because I didn't know anything. My motivation to And then Manolo Manolo was six feet two and he was shredded. No, not at all. No, no. (laughs) It was my course. No, it was my course on functional neurology. I'm like, Rhythm oh. is uh, a big component of the movement. 
and it can impact the activity of our frontal lobes. And I'm like, my God, is it so? I'm going <laughs> to try it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. You've convinced me because uh, I learned that years ago about the importance of rhythm and movement, right? And I actually yeah. teach that in strength training the and the, you know, rhythmic movement, whether we're doing slow rhythm or fast rhythm. Um, but there's probably not a better way to learn that through dance and Oh, yeah, because gosh. there is count in that. Now you've just you given me something to else count. I have to do. I know, which I hate doing. <laughs> I've tried. I hate. I, I've taken hate. a couple of classes. Oh. Now, now I want to dance with you because I dance salsa. I love salsa. You are a good oh salsa my God, dancer. I have I've seen to, you. I, I have to fly. I have to fly now. I have yes. to meet Miles. I have to dance with him. <laughs> he has to give me a boxing session. <laughs> when you live in New York City and you go downtown, all those clubs with Colombians and Puerto Ricans and Dominicans and the music just flows in New York. And we used oh to go goodness. to clubs. We would go to clubs and they would start playing um, salsa music. And I'm sitting there and I'm, you know, like we want to dance with the girls, but we didn't know how to do it. So we started learning how to dance. We said, nice. we got to do this. We nice. have to do this. And I love salsa dancing. I am still a big, a very, a very, a very, beginner like very much beginner oh. <laughs> all right well you've, you've convinced me i now need to do that <laughs> arena you when you went on this trip i want to come back to the trip for just a second because you went on this trip and you had things planned and i think that um there there's a bit of the story that i want to come back to that's really important for people because uh when we plan things i think it's also important that we have times that are just open to experience whatever is going on in that particular area. How would you recommend people plan their vacations, plan their trips so that they experience what's there, but also leave it open enough to have the spontaneous, yeah, what the hell, I'm going to go try Muay Thai. Look, um, it's um, it's a challenging question because I am a solo traveler and I have traveled in many countries. Okay. So I I know my way and I know um, like I do have some must like must have must do on yeah. my list, and all the rest is like secondary. For example, this would be hard for uh, for uh, parents with small kids. You have to sure. have yeah. like kids club plant you have to have like a good hotel with xyz mm -hmm. or for example it, it depends on i would say it comes with the experience the more you travel the more flexibility you have because even i'm sure even if you travel within your country you plan certain things in a certain way but at the end of the day you have to make some changes to that. Oh, yeah, always. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's e either weather or someone or like there are many like things that can interfere with the plan. Yeah, I, I like how you talk about that, though. It's because travel is a skill set. You know, I, I think back to like when when I used to travel uh, with my wife and kids when they were young and we'd go to the airport, it was like, it was a stressful experience because we it used to was, travel like yeah, that. Yeah, it, it was crazy. Was a, yeah, it was a disaster. And then every single thing doesn't go as planned. Yep. You're already frustrated, like right. stressed and like, 
it's over. The vacation is over. Oh, yeah. <laughs> vacation now turns into the thing that, that uh, <laughs> you tell the bad stories about. Can you believe yeah. what dad did this? Oh my gosh. Remember when mom lost her shit? Like, <laughs> but, but over, over the years, I, I've traveled quite a bit. I traveled uh, almost every week for, for several months uh, with, uh, with a, a job that I had. And I just got to the point where travel became so easy. Uh, I remember the first trip that I took the family on after I had had uh, probably a year or so of traveling like that under my belt and just watching the stress of, okay, where do we go? What do we do? I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, no big deal. Just follow me. I got you. <laughs> <laughs> like, so I, I agree with you. I think that's a great uh, bit of advice is just travel, get out there, do it, yeah. try to find some experiences, plan some things, but leave some time open so that you can experience uh, the, some of these activities. I've got to ask, this was this the first time that when you were in a uh, new country that you tried a sport or an activity like that? Or have you done this before? I have done this before in a different sense. Uh, when I first moved to Mexico, I was not speaking Spanish. So, but I, I knew yoga, like I was practicing yoga before. So that's something that I knew. Mm -hmm. So I started looking in my area, what are the yoga studios that I can go and visit? And this is how I was connecting to people through yoga. Mm -hmm. And um, it helped me a lot. And uh, now my sister, for example, because of war, she had to, like, their family left Ukraine and she's now uh, making her life in a new country. And she was like, but how do I meet people? Like, where do I go? Um, sometimes it can be challenging, you know, especially when you are in a new um, city, new country. And I told her, just go find some fitness studios, go and take classes there. And yeah. this is how Great you will, maybe not from the, maybe not from the first time, maybe it will need, it depends, depends on people, on you, on how the things flow. But anyhow, at the end of the day, you will connect with people. And yeah. this is something like activities, as you said, activities and movement is something that unites us and connects us. Yeah, that's a great point. I, and I, I would say for our listeners, I would add on, get, get into activities that are, if you're in a new city, new state, new country, or you're traveling, get into activities that you enjoy doing that involve movement, whether it's in a gym, you go to a class or whether you're going for a hike, uh, find people or just go to those places and you're going to find people that are like-minded. You know, you, you become who you surround yourself with. You will become the sum total of those people. And so if you start to surround yourself on vacation with people who do that, then you are, uh, you're going to be much better off. I mean, I'll tell you, the, the day that we spent at Disneyland, I felt like a fish out of water. I, th those are not my people. And it's not that they're bad people. They're just not my people. I, I, don't, I don't identify with that whole, uh, like, sugar and soda. And, and mm -hmm. let's now let's go get this. And now let's go on this ride. And everybody's super excited about buying a bunch of stuff. And that's just, like, so opposite of how I live my life. I mean, the, the highlight of the day for me 
aside from being with my my uh, family was when I found somebody walking around with like this big Fred Flintstone size uh, turkey leg. And I went up to him and was like, where'd you get that? And they pointed me in a direction. My son and I went looking or my son-in-law and I went looking and we found the turkey leg stand. It's like the only place where you could actually just go get great protein. Um, and this thing was smoked turkey leg. It was the best thing in the world. I, I, my son-in-law, me and my wife all sat there like covered in and glistening from this beautiful turkey leg. And, uh, you know, we, we connected, we bonded there for a moment, but being in, in Disneyland, that's just, that's not my people. Now we go to the beach Uh, and there's people running around and throwing footballs and doing all the stuff that we're doing. And that that was my people. I, I, we, we found some interesting people every time we've been out and we've been active. So I, I love, love, love that, uh, experience. What's next for you? Where, where's the next destination? What's the next thing that you're going to try? You're now doing Thai boxing. You're going to become a salsa queen. You're going to be, uh, what, what's the next travel or the next, uh, fitness, uh, <laughs> sport thing that you're going to pick up? Um, she's coming to Oberlin. Coming yeah. to Oberlin, Ohio. Coming, you guys going to go to New York and dance salsa. Yeah. <laughs> and then my, you got to fly out ch- to Utah and we go hiking together. Oh, that would be amazing. You that would, would love be it amazing. I, yeah. I need to plan that, actually. I need to plan that. Um, Japan was on my bucket list for years. I might be contemplating the cherry blossom. Oh, yeah. On the mountains of Japan and then do some Tai Chi session or Buddhist ceremony in Japanese Beautiful. temple. <laughs> I, I, oh, that just makes my mouth water. I've seen the pictures of the mountains and the cherry blossom. And, um, I've always wanted to, to experience like the traditional Japanese or traditional Chinese, uh, cause each culture has a slightly different uh, yeah. tea ceremony. And I've always wanted to experience, uh, the tea ceremonies in each, uh, culture. And so I think that would be a blast. Absolutely. Well, what a, what a beautiful, uh, beautiful experience you've had and uh, what a beautiful experience to look forward to. So thank you, Arena, for coming on and sharing your incredible experience and insights uh, for our listeners from Thai boxing in Thailand to exploring, uh, explore, excuse me, exploring unique cultural activities. We've, we've learned a lot today. And uh, to all of our evolutionary listeners, remember to make sure that you research, that you plan ahead, but also re- leave some room for unexpected adventures along mm. your way. Stay tuned for more exciting episodes of the Evolve podcast. We're going to uh, explore new horizons, embracing the spirit of adventure. We believe that's a critical piece to your overall evolution safe travels till next time we're going to keep evolving and on that note folks it is time for us to wrap up another episode of the evolve podcast Irina, as always it's great to have you on thank you so much for coming on sharing your wisdom with our amazing listeners where can they follow all of the salsa videos that you're going to start posting (laughs) on my instagram all right. My Instagram. Yeah. We will link that in the show notes. And again, if you have not listened to our other episodes with Irina, go back and do that. 
Well, thank you again. And evolutionaries, remember that it does take time and consistency to evolve. But first, you have to disrupt. And now it's time for you to get out there and evolve. And evolve. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Evolve Podcast. Follow us on your favorite podcast app. And if you haven't done so, please give us a rating. As an independent podcast, it really helps us get more reach. This podcast is part of our mission to help millions of people evolve into the best versions of themselves. Please check out our coaching services at evolve-cast.com or pick up some of our Evolve merch. Until next time, keep evolving.